Anyway, we're recording. <coughs> oh, my throat. I feel like it's all messed up. Um, <coughs> this is Hauntings and Homicide. Hello. I forgot how to podcast. Why does it feel like it's been so long since it we does. did this? It feels like it's been weeks. It's just funny because our last episode <coughs> was a long one, too. It's so long. You know what I was thinking of? I actually liked having a guest. I feel like we should really, like... I know you have a... You, you or no, not you weren't... I think... I know you have a person lined up, and I'm like, oh, I actually like... Oh, there it goes. My voice is gonna just... Yeah, I, I was gonna say, you sound different today. When I went over to Chris's house, his mom was like, are you getting sick? And I'm like, no, it's just that I've been talking so much because I worked so... Because that's the thing with my job. Ew. If I work extra hours... <laughs> You're talking? I'm talking. Oh, no. So, it's... I just talked so much that my voice is just... Oh, no. Yeah. So, I do apologize if my voice cuts in and out and it... Yeah. And also... I have not one icy drink, but two icy drinks. So if you hear ice, yeah, you're probably gonna hear ice. Whatever, deal with it. We're people. We're living our lives. I need also, my Starbucks uh, and my water. Who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you? Hi, I'm Selena. I have no business doing this because I still sleep with a nightlight and I'm scared of everything. But here I am. Is that it? Is that your whole spiel? I think so. Oh. I don't even uh, know anymore. <laughs> I'm Heather, and I haven't slept in years, and I'm very tired, and I've been having terrible nightmares. I have to tell you something, hmm. and I've been waiting to tell you when you're here and we're recording so you can't <laughs> leave. <laughs> um, my light in my room has been turning itself on and off. My fan does that. Like, all night. My my light on my fan, it'll turn... I don't... I keep telling myself it's a power surge, because the whole fan turns off, and then the light comes back on. That's what I'm it's telling slightly myself. slightly better, but see, here's the thing, is I've had my lamp for, like, ever, and it's never done this. Yeah. It just started. Well, maybe it's old and there's just a shortage. I've also started hearing sounds like things being knocked over in my room, oh. and then it happened today when I was in the shower, like... I heard like a loud thud, like something had fallen over. Mm-hmm. And I legitimately poked my head out of my shower at this point, and I'm like, get the fuck out. If there's something here, get out. Yeah. Like, I'm just, <clears throat> no, I'm yeah. not doing this. Yeah. We're not, mm-mm. absolutely not. I don't know. Okay, well, actually, especially with today's case, well, I got a little nervous. I was like, what if something it, like attaches to us? Oh, because of the curse? Yeah. Yeah, I was really careful when I was researching. Like, I had the option to read the script. I know. And I'm like, you know, I'm good. I told Chris, and well, you want to read it? <laughs> I, I did. Like, I really wanted to, but I'm yeah. like, also, I'll talk about it later, but I did research on the type of curses that maybe could be involved. Attached to it. Oh, good. And, um... I read a lot of, like, incantations, and some of them were so creepy, I wanted to include them, and I'm like, some things you just shouldn't say out yeah. loud. Yeah. So, go do your own research on book curses, like, medieval book curses, and, and read them for yourself, because they're oh, creepy I'm, and I'm they're cool. Oh, I'm Yeah, on. so, unfortunately, I'm, I'm not going to read one today, but they are really, they're really interesting. Well, I guess that brings us 
to actually talking about what we're going to talk about today. And I will say this, when Heather brought it up, I was like, I don't know anything about this. I kind of sort of know the people involved. But other than that, I never heard about a cursed script. Yeah. But here we are talking about the cursed script of a tuck. Yeah. Or, as it was going to be called, the incomparable there you go. a tuck. Yeah. So, let's get into it. Oh, I guess I will say that it does involve six comedians from the late 80s to 90s, most of which are super famous, except for one writer. That There's a, he's a, yeah, he was an SNL writer. Writer, yeah. Yeah. And I think he wrote, yeah. I have more on him. But yeah, so. (laughs) I hope so. Just, you know, to talk about, to tell you who we're going to talk about. It involves... Every time I read it, it involved five, possibly six people. I I read one thing that said possibly seven, and I'm like, you know what? No. I don't... That just throws off our no. numbers, and we just can't have that. It throws off our numbers, and I'm like, now mate, you're probably reaching a little okay. too far. So, why do I always get them mixed up? Because they're brothers. It's John Belushi. John Belushi. Next up is Sam... Sam Kinison. Kinison. John Candy. Mm-hmm. Chris Farley, oh, actually, Michael O'Donohue goes in between that, then Chris Farley, and then Phil Hartman. Is Phil Hartman the last one? Yes. Okay. So, let's get into it. So, in 1963, Canadian author Mordecai Richler, is that what we decided? Yes. Should we ask Google again? No. We, we asked Google how to pronounce his name, and they gave us two options, and the first guy who said... The name said Mordecai Richler, and then the second pronunciation was, I swear to God, it's going to sound like I am doing a bit. I promise you. (laughs) He said Mordecai Richler. It was the best because I don't... And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) One more time? And I legit played it a second time. And yeah. It was like he was in backwoods. Yeah, it had like two thumbs down (laughs) reviews, and I'm like, no shit. This guy's just fucking with us, trying to make us sound stupid. (laughs) Nice try. We can do that on our own. Sorry, go ahead. So Mordecai Richler wrote a book called A Tuck. Or a... Are we just going with A Tuck? Go with A Tuck, because that wasn't what the movie was going to be called. And if we have to keep saying incomparable, we're going to... I'm going to mess it up We're going to fail, so just say A Tuck. Which means grandfather. I put in the Eskimo language, which Heather then informed me that that was a slur. Yeah, they, the Inuit people do not appreciate being so, called Eskimos. So just say Inuit. Inuit, which I then do that later on, but I, you learn something you, new. You were trying to switch it up, and that's yes. fine. I get it. <laughs> I tried. A Tuk is a Canadian Inuit. There you go. There you go. Who gets transplanted to Toronto and who quickly adopts the greed and pretensions of the big city. It's it's satirized. I knew I was going to have a hard time with that one. That was pretty good. The Canadian culture elites from Richler's day, who in the novel fetishizes a took first as a noble savage, and then when and then his corruption becomes apparent as a symbol of Canadian nationalism and anti-American sentiment. So Richler did a lot of these books. He he I think he had done like 
12 or something different novels or something like that. Yeah, he was like a really well-known Canadian author. Yeah, but that was kind of his like... His shtick was the satire. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially dealing with Canadian issues, I guess. In fact, many of the characters in the story are actually parodies of real Canadian celebrities. Oh. Interesting. So, it's not till the mid-80s that Todd Carroll adapted the novel into a film adaptation, which was called The Incomparable It Took. Probably the last time I'm going to say incomparable because (laughs) it's a lot of You can only nail it so many times. (laughs) So, the film was changed a bit from the original novel, like most film adaptations. So, I'm going to give you a not-so-brief plot of the movie. So, in the film adaptation... Atuk was the son of an Inuit woman and a missionary who dreamed of seeing the world outside of the Inuit territory of Alaska. He sees his chance when a beautiful documentarian named Michelle Ross and her crew arrive to film the village he lives in. Atuk stows away in Michelle's plane when her crew takes off from another village. After the crew lands in Canada, Michelle has no choice but to take Atuk with her past the border and into America. The two end up at Michelle's destination, New York City. Meanwhile, powerful real estate mogul Alexander McCune is planning to erect a massive metropolis on top of Alaska's wilderness called the Emerald. McCune is clashing with environmentalists over the project because they claim the city will poison the ecosystem there. McCune is also having problems with his 16-year-old son, Bishop, an underage drinker and smoker who is a terror at his school. Wow, it's me. (laughs) Bishop goes joyriding in his boat while he's supposed to be punished and crashes near the pier where Atuk is and begins to drown. Atuk jumps in and saves Bishop. Bishop befriends Atuk and takes him out for a night out on the town. Alexander decides to have Atuk stay at their mansion until they can put him up in one of their hotels something McCune's wife, Vera, objects to. McCune reveals to Atuk that Michelle works for him and tells Atuk he wants to be a part of an image campaign for McCune's project. Atuk accepts. Bishop is sent off to military school and is angry at Atuk for having sold out to his father. Mm. Michelle and Atuk travel back to Alaska to shoot the commercials for McCune's Emerald Project in an attempt to reassure the environmentalists who are critical of the project. Atuk is put into dark makeup and is put through primitive Inuit paces, which which makes him feel unnatural. But as they work together, Atuk and Michelle realize that they like each other very much. At a viewing of the commercial, Atuk realizes that by editing, McCune has used him to sell his message. Atuk, now knowing that he's been taken advantage of, breaks Bishop out of the military academy and using a dog sled, hurries to a hearing about plans for the Emerald and convinces everyone that he was wrong to endorse McCune's plan because the project will be bad for the land. With all of the investors for the project pulled out, McCune and Bishop reconcile. Atuk returns to his village, but the next day, Michelle arrives in a plane asking him to go to Hawaii with her. Atuk accepts, and the two fly off in the plane with Bishop in the co-pilot seat. Aw, it's cute. So, let's get into the cursed stuff because mm-hmm. now we have the film screen. No, we have the film screenplay. Mm-hmm. I was going somewhere with that, and we're gonna talk about the first person that was up for the role, and well, ultimately, what started this whole 
I wanted to say one thing really quick. Yeah. Um, I've known about this curse like 20 years probably. And, um, wow. I've heard about it. I've, you know, I've always been interested in like, yeah. Creepy macabre. Yeah. Shit. So even researching this, I've seen, you know, little TV spots about it and stuff here and there. No one has ever talked about the plot. I've never heard a plot summary of Do they movie. just mention, like... Yeah, they just mention it story in passing. kind of thing, yeah. Or they'll maybe mention, like, the Inuit aspect and, like, you know, whatever. I, I've i never heard the plot before. There's some very interesting things that we'll get into later about who they were casting for this role. Because it's very weird to me, but I have to remember... I heard a couple things. Well, we'll get into it later. Okay. So, the first person that was cast as a Tuck was John Belushi. John Belushi is on his way to a gold medal in the decathlon. They're setting the bar at seven feet. Here's his approach. And he's got it! Belushi's won the gold. Now he's going for the world's record. He's making his move. They're in the final turn. He's kicking it in. He's got it! I logged a lot of miles training for that day, and I downed a lot of donuts. Little chocolate donuts. They taste good, and they've got the sugar I need to get me going in the morning. That's why little chocolate donuts have been on my training table since I was a kid. Little chocolate donuts. The donuts of champions. And I think, um... It was... They had him in mind mm-hmm. when they adapted the screenplay from the book. So let's talk about John Belushi. John Belushi was born on January 24th, 1949 in Wheaton, Illinois. So most importantly, he was an Aquarius. <laughs> born to Albanian immigrants, young John Belushi was unsurprisingly the class clown in school. What may be surprising, however, was that he was captain of his high school football team and played in a rock band. His main aspiration, though, was to become an actor. After high school, he acquired his associate's degree and began performing comedy with the Second City Improvisational Troupe. He was most well-known for his impressions, especially of those like Marlon Brando. Okay, wonderful. Now, when we left off at last week's session... Vito was telling us about his feelings toward the Tataglia family. Vito? Well, the Tataglia family is causing me great personal grief. Also, also, I'm looking, things are not going so well at my olive oil company. And Joe Cocker. What would you do if I sign
when she eventually took over at SNL with him. In 1973, due to his impressive performance in the off-Broadway production of Lemmings, a National Lampoon project, Lorne Michaels invited John to join his upcoming sketch comedy TV show, Saturday Night Live. I wrote the shoe debuted. <laughs> okay. I have so many typos on my blog. I, I do too, but they're, this one's funny. This one's good. The show debuted in 1975, and and the John appeared. Wow, it was a mess <laughs> typing this. John, to be fair, we both did this. Yeah, we pulled this together. I mean, if we went to Midsummer <laughs> Scream yesterday. I think we. I usually put all my stuff together on Sunday. I, I usually think you do probably myself. do. Too. I usually do Saturday Sunday, but yeah, both days were just me too. So we pulled this together Which, by the skin of our teeth. Yes. Okay. Uh, he appeared alongside other now well-known comedy legends such as Chevy Chase, Jane Curtin, Dan Aykroyd, and Gilda fucking Radner. Fucking love that woman. The show was an immediate hit, and John stood out even among these giants. Unfortunately, as the show flourished, drugs were becoming more and more regular behind the scenes. Though John was a prodigy, he wasn't without his insecurities, and he dealt with them by doing cocaine and other hard drugs. So, you know, he did cocaine about it. Like you do. In 1976, John married his high school sweetheart, Judith Jacklin, and two years later, he played what is my favorite John Belushi role, Bluto Blartowski, in the smash hit Animal House, which is still considered one of the best college comedies of all time, but I think it's simply just one of the greatest comedies in general. While filming SNL, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd became real-life best friends. From this friendship, the two created another masterpiece, The Blues Brothers. Over the next few years, John appeared in many other films. Unfortunately, though, any time he wasn't portraying his famous loud, manic, obnoxious characters that he was most well-known for, the film seemed to flop, and John found this extremely disappointing. In 1982, John Belushi was offered the role of a tuck. He was extremely excited by the role and couldn't wait to start production. It's said that the script was originally adapted with John's style of comedy in mind. I already said that. He was their perfect attuck. Unfortunately, at this time, John was spending an all-time high of $2,500 a week on his drug habits. He'd rented a room at the Chateau Marmont and was using it to mainly do drugs and party. On March 4th, 1982, it was said that one such party had included Robin Williams. That night, John had requested something stronger, and the woman he was partying with provided him with a speedball, which is the mixture of cocaine and heroin, and unfortunately was what stole John Belushi from the world forever. He was found in his room the next day, death by overdose at only 33 years old. Robin Williams told Entertainment Weekly, Hollywood was toxic to him. People wanted him to be the Belushi they'd seen on screen. So another interesting note about that was um, originally they just ruled it, you know, an accidental overdose. But then that woman that he was with, she, they reopened the case and she was charged with first degree murder. Because she then later on admitted that she gave him the fatal. Yeah. Okay. So also side note, when I was reading about one of my people, I read that a speedball was different. I've always heard it as cocaine and heroin. Oh, what did you What did you read? Uh, mine was cocaine and what? Cocaine something. What was it? Morphine. 
Well, morphine and heroin are really similar. Are they? Yeah. Once so, again, I'm not very well versed. In I think drug both usage. could be considered a speedball. Okay. Um, okay. So after John Belushi died, they wanted to continue the project. So they offered it to Sam Kinison. Cause I know that's the popular version of what went on there. And a lot of people like to believe that. I wish I could, but I was there. I wasn't here in a classroom hoping I was right. Thinking about it. I was up to my knees in rice paddies with Johnson Edwards going up against Charlie, slugging it out with him while pussies like you were back here partying, putting headbands on, doing drugs, listening to my goddamn Beatle albums. Oh, oh. Hey, hey, Professor, take it easy, will you? I mean, these kids, they were in grade school at the time. And me, I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. Um, comedian Sam Kinison was born December 8th, 1953, in Yakima, Washington, so he was a Sagittarius. When he was only three years old, Sam was hit by a truck, which left him with permanent brain damage. Apparently, his personality changed completely after this, and he developed epilepsy, but that didn't stop him from growing up to become a successful household name. Being the son of a preacher himself, Sam attended a religious boarding school in New York. After his father's death in 1972, Sam decided he too would honor the family legacy by becoming a preacher as well. His older brothers had already followed their father's footsteps in doing so. Unfortunately, even though Sam took his career seriously, he was unsuccessful in his preaching endeavors. According to his brother Bill, Sam had no straight stage presence. He never had one year where he made over 5000 as a minister. Perhaps it was dedication to his father's style of preaching that limited his success, because as a comedian, he flourished. As he began to drift away from his religious career, he pursued comedy more and more. When Sam was spotted by Rodney Dangerfield, the seasoned comic helped skyrocket the newcomer's career. Sam's material often had religious subjects, marrying the two things he loved so much. He had definitely found his calling. Sam became known as the screaming comedian due to his primal screams incorporated into his acts. He was described as electrifying, and there really was not there was more typos. There really was no <laughs> subject too taboo for Sam's material. He liked to push the envelope when it came to his comedy. Unfortunately, like many other comedians, sex and drugs became a regular part of Sam's life. He is quoted as saying, I have lived a carnal life. My view of life is, if you're going to miss heaven, why miss it by two inches? If you're going to miss it, miss it. Which I think is just the best quote. It's amazing. I love it. I'm going to get that tattooed on myself. Uh, though Sam's comedy was controversial, his friends and acquaintances all described a sweet and cuddly aspect about him that the public couldn't see at first glance. He was good friends with many other comedians and was particularly close to Robin Williams. He's back again. Robin Williams secretly murdered all these people. Sorry. <laughs> cut, cut this. Cut that. You're going to have angry people. Oh, man. I'm going to be burned at the stake. Finally. Okay. At the height of Sam's success, he was offered the role of a tuck after John Belushi's death. While he was excited to take on the... And then there's just nothing. <laughs> Total professional. I wrote this in the notes section of my phone. While he was excited to take on the role, he did order script rewrites and suggested some other changes be made. 
Uh, Sam made it the furthest in his role as a tuck out of all who would be cast in the film, even shooting a couple of scenes for it. Apparently, Christopher Walken and Ben Affleck were also cast at this time to appear oh, in the film. I know, weird. Early, right? early, early Ben Affleck. You know what's weird is that Christopher Walken is involved in like another weird death. Natalie right. Wood. Which I think we're I think we're gonna cover at some point. Do you it's on the list. Something Yeah. You do? There is. There is? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you what it is Christopher now. Christopher Walken is a ghost and he Christopher Walken is a ghost. <laughs> and he might as well. He fucking looks older. There's something death. weird. But yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what it is when we're done. Because we're going to do it in a future episode and I'm not going to spoil it. Oh, well then maybe we should do it soon though. Because I want to go watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and I believe she's in it. A schmidgen of it. Okay. Um, I can't see that movie till it comes out on like video because I can't sit still that long. It's three hours. Yeah, I can't. I you can't did it for... Yeah, it was hell. And it's only because I'm so invested in those characters. And then you said, fuck this, I'm done. And I was like, oh, so you're just going to ruin my life? Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm so glad I've supported you all these years, Marvel. I'm going to buy it for you so you can just sit and watch it and cry every day. Why would I do that? That's like em- that's like the emotional form of cutting myself. <laughs> Let's not. Self-harm. Endgame is self-harm. Okay. <laughs> The changes that Sam requested were met with some pushback, and the comedian walked off the set in anger, refusing to return. This led the production company filing a lawsuit against Kinnison and would eventually be what left him destitute by the end of this whole ordeal. Finally, an agreement was settled upon, and Sam was due to return to shooting. All right, now let's talk about some really freaky shit. On April 10th, 1992, when he was 38 years old, Sam's car was struck head-on by a truck driven by a 17-year-old drunk driver. Initially, Sam appeared to have zero injuries and was even walking around. His brother, who had also been in the car, even begged Sam to please lie down. Within minutes, Sam began speaking to what appeared to be someone who wasn't there, repeating the words, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Sam's closest friend, Carl LaBeouf, had been in another car traveling with them and described it as such. It was as if he was having a conversation, talking to someone else, some unseen person. Then there was a pause, as if Kinnison was listening to the other person speak. Then he asked, but why? And after another pause, LaBeouf heard him clearly say, okay, okay, okay. LaBeouf said, The last okay was so soft and at peace. Whatever voice was talking to him gave him the right answer, and he just relaxed with it. He said it so sweet, like he was talking to someone he loved. Shortly after this, Sam lost consciousness. All efforts to revive him failed, and Sam died at the scene from internal injuries. Malika Suri, Sam's wife of only six days, had been in the car as well and suffered only a minor concussion. Kinnison was buried in a family grave plot in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and his headstone reads, In another time and place, you would have been called Prophet. Mm. That's why I started crying. At four in the morning when I was writing this. I got really worked up about this one. Side note, I feel like we could have all done multiple episodes on each actor. Yeah. But that's technically not what this is about. But that one could have been that one. I'm yeah, super intrigued, isn't it? Creepy, like who I is he talking to? I kind of believe in that to? weird stuff. Like well, I believe that you could see 
I told my mom about this, and she said that my grandmother, like in the last couple days before she died, like my, you know, because she was in a like a convalescent mm-hmm. home, and my mom was coming to visit her, and she walked in, and, and it was like she was talking. My grandmother mm-hmm. was talking to someone and laughing, and she's like, oh, "Oh, I didn't mean to say that," or something like that. Like she was in the middle of a conversation. I I believe in that on both ends. So you know how they say that kids, like babies, are more um, sensitive, sensitive, and they can kind of mm-hmm. witness things because they'll do that. Well, they'll stare at a corner and laugh or whatever. Mm-hmm. I believe that you're like that as a child. I feel like when you get older, you kind of shut that part out. Mm -hmm. But then when you get to the part where you're going to getting ready to like, you know, you're at the end of your life where that kind of comes back. And I do believe that you can talk to certain figures. I always just want to believe that they're positive things. Well, it sounds positive here. And like it did when my mom's talking about my grandmother, like she was. My grandmother was very sick and didn't feel yeah. well at all. For her to be, like, laughing, that's pretty big. So, I think that's super interesting. I, I do, too. Yeah. Um, I know I if, if I was in my, like, dying hour or something like that, I'd want a very peaceful figure to come and say, like, it's okay. Like, you're going to be okay kind of thing. Like, I would want that. I didn't know much about Sam Kinison. Like, I, I'd heard his name, but I I didn't know him well. I, I went on YouTube and watched... A bunch of his comedy and he's really funny yeah and there was one sketch where he literally talks about the angel of death yeah interesting isn't that weird that is i was like huh. oh well, that's kind of interesting though i feel like every single case ruins my life but this one ruined my life I, I think what's interesting is that like i had said before like i wasn't super interested in it but then not that i wasn't interested in it but i guess you didn't know enough about it i didn't it know what yeah for it to, like, pique my interest, I guess. But then I have found this out with every case that we do. When you really start looking at it, there's so many weird things that are, like, oh, like, why aren't, like, wait. Why aren't more people talking about yeah. this? Yeah. Like, I watch that stupid audience channel, I think is what it's called. I and they always do. Is. It's, like. I've never heard of that. They'll do, like, friends. Were they really friends? Or, like, Greece. The adult kids that played, like, high schoolers. Like, they do weird, like, exposés on, like, stuff. And I'm shocked they Is it, like, a TV version of, like, like, OK Magazine? Like, Star? Kind of. But, like, they talk to people, like... They talk to, like... Instead of, like, the first degree connection, it's, like, the (laughs) fifth degree. (laughs) Got it. Where it's, like... Like, you don't actually know anything. Yeah, but you, like, kind of know... But I'm my cousin's the, yeah. best friend's mom said <laughs> it's stuff like that because you know they can't probably afford to get like actual like mm-hmm. so they have to talk to like the PA that was like an assistant to like yeah. whatever. But um, I'm shocked they haven't done one on this because there's such a weird similarity with everybody. But I guess like I, I've never seen a full on documentary or anything about it, but they've like mentioned it here and there. I feel and, like, like they should though in like. 10 weird Hollywood stories or yeah. whatever. And the, what are they called? What are those called? List, listicles? Is that like those feed? Yeah. Well, I'm talking about like actually on TV. Oh. I've seen stuff about it on TV, but they're like little short segments. And I'm yeah. like, hello, what? Mm-hmm. No. Like, more. I'm shocked. Like, remember when E used to do the true Hollywood story? How they I didn't have like. Maybe it was they? something. No, I don't think they did one on this, but maybe they did one on like. 
SNL actors. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? It was like tied in. So, I mean, if we went into SNL actors and their death, that right. would take us. It would take forever. <gasps> so I'm like, oh, wow. they would like touch on it, but not go fully into it. So I'm sure when we're all done with this, we'll discuss how it's just comedians. Have, it's just comedians are very sad. They're very sad. They're very sad people, which is sad. People always ask me like, how, what, like, how are you funny? I'm like, oh, it's, it's the consolation prize for being a miserable person. <laughs> I feel like a known thing that comedians are the most fucking depressed people. Yeah. It's like you want to make other people laugh because you're so sad. It's well, it takes away your pain a little bit. Yeah. Anyway. I well, bought... that took a... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that took a... I hope you're all having a great day and... Feels Woo. feeling good. Aren't you glad you tuned into our podcast to feel better? You know, it's a, a bright, sunny day, <laughs> and I'm like Southern California. I'm talking about like emotional self harm, and it's fine. Okay, so back to deaths. Back to <laughs> deaths and untimely deaths and murder and drugs and sad and depression. Okay, <laughs> John Candy. You want to hurt me? Go right ahead if it makes you feel any better. I'm an easy target. Yeah, you're right. I talk too much. I also listen too much. I could be a cold-hearted cynic like you. But I don't like to hurt people's feelings. Well, you think what you want about me. I'm not changing. I like, I like me. My wife likes me. My customers like me, because I'm the real article. What you see is what you get. Was born on October 31st, 1950 in Toronto, Canada. So we got a Scorpio up in this bitch. A.K.A. Heather. Well, I mean, it, besides me, John can't, John Candy's. No, I know. I'm just saying. Are you trying to tell me that there's only one Scorpio in this room right now? Is that what you're hinting at? I identify as a Scorpio. You can't not... It doesn't work that (laughs) way. My whole life has been a lie. You can't be like trans-astrology. whole life has been a lie. Let's just put it that way. I'm pretty sure I've gone into it before. You have. 14 times. (laughs) Although it's usually my fault because I bring it up. So John Candy also performed in the Second City comedy troupe like John Belushi did. In fact, they participated... Oh, wow. (laughs) Participate. The way I spelled this word is so great. Participated. 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 I need to get some sleep, y'all. Okay. They participated in it at the same time, and they became friends. Due to this friendship with both Belushi and Dan Aykroyd, Candy was given a small role in the Blues Brothers. In 1984, he starred alongside Tom Hanks in the absolute masterpiece, that is Splash, which is one of my favorite movies ever. I used to watch it 14 times a day. And it was recorded on a VHS in, like, well, probably 1984. So it had all those commercials for, like, um, douche. <laughs> Do you have that not-so-fresh feeling? Yeah. Before everyone I, realized you don't need you to do that because you are... do not douche. Because your pH will regulate itself. Okay. 
Okay, so he was in Splash, which is one of my favorite movies. Yes. I'm going to stay on track which now. I still haven't seen. Oh my oh. god! I'm, that's it. I'm pausing this right now. We're going to watch it. I have it on DVD. I will put it in right now. <laughs> I'll dig up that 1984 VHS. We have it, I promise. The commercials are fire. I would actually love to see that. Oh my god, I'm going to find it. Watch. Many, many minutes later. <laughs> Sorry guys, we took Please a break. Start, it was <laughs> okay. So... He'd been working on a sketch comedy show for NBC, but due to his skyrocketing acting career, he left the show to pursue films full-time. He had many highs and lows over the years, some of the highs being planes, trains, and automobiles, and Uncle Buck, but let's not get into the lows, because who wants to rem- be remembered like that? No, we're not going to do that. In 1994, producers still refusing to give up on a tuck. More absolute <laughs> fuck shit that I wrote here. <laughs> Candy was offered the role. He was thrilled to take on the project, but once again, it was not to be. For in March of that year, John Candy suffered a massive heart attack and died in his sleep. He was only 43. He had been a heavy smoker and had struggled with his weight for his entire career. A writer for McLean said, Candy could be as funny as anyone, but what set him apart was tenderness, a gentle emotional candor that made him instantly credible and lovable. Oh, that's sweet. Well, I'm up to bat, mm-hmm. and really quickly, I put in their birth dates and their corresponding oh, signs. Oh, okay, cute. What to a, go with the theme. Good, I'm excited. Because apparently, look, it's take important. it up. Take it up with 3 a.m. Heather, who's <laughs> hadn't slept in 48 hours. So, all I right. Tell ya. And I will apologize because next up is Michael O'Donohue. Most of all, Saturday Night Live fans will remember. Mr. Mike's Least Loved Bedtime Tales. A lot of fuzzy animals who are crushed by a big rock. The end. It's a real fast one, but uh, es- essentially that's all that they are. He's eerie, bizarre, gross, decadent, perverse, kinky, and outre. Outre is a word you don't hear that often. Who, I couldn't find a whole ton of information on him. Which is not my fault, is the internet's fault. Yeah, the whole so internet. You can take it up with the internet. <laughs> It's not even a particular website. It's the, the entire internet. Yeah. So. Which is just everything and everyone, pretty much. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. Michael O'Donohue, who was born January 5th, 1940. He's a Capricorn. He's a Capricorn. Ding, ding, ding. He was an American writer and performer. He was known for his dark and destructive style of comedy and humor. And he was a huge contributor to National Lampoon magazine mm. and was the first head writer for SNL. He was even the first performer to utter a line on this series. Ooh. So if you haven't guessed it, they're all connected. Yeah. Which is weird. Is weird Maybe. in its own sense. And I feel bad because, like I said, I don't have a whole lot on him. It's okay. But on November 8th, 1994... He died of a cerebral cerebral hemorrhage. Now, he did suffer from chronic, chronic migraine, so I don't know if that it was, has something to do with that. I mean, all these people, like, technically, <clears throat> well, some of them were random, like Sam Kimson and Phil Hartman. Those were, like, random. Well, uh, we'll get into not, that. Not random? Oh, okay. We'll get into that one. Um, and he was only 54, which I think that makes him the, the oldest, oldest I think so. but still that's young it's not old enough to, to die but 
I want to say he's the oldest out of all of these. I think so. Which, that's sad, too. Yeah, it is. So, like I said, they were all connected. He was friends with Belushi, Kinison, and Candy. Which, I mean, I guess they run in the same comedic circle. Yes. So, there goes that. Now, this is how he's connected to the mm-hmm. script. Apparently, as the story goes, he had read the script. Some say he even helped write it. Uh-oh. And, like, we're coming to find out, you read it, you die. Which sucks. But it's not till his death that the thoughts of the script being cursed started to circulate. Mm. So let's keep that in mind. It took death number four for them to even go, that's... Huh. No. I think after two, I'd be like, what the fuck is going on here? Death number four. That's too many. Because, I mean... What, we had a overdose? We had an overdose. We had a car accident. A car accident. And a heart attack. And a heart attack. But at all very young ages. Mm-hmm. Which the overdose, obviously, age doesn't matter. Car accident, age doesn't matter. And heart attack, age kind of sort of matters. Yeah. I mean... He was 43? That's 42? young. 42? To be having a heart attack, that's, that's young. young. I mean, I know he was, like, a very large man. Yes. And smoked a lot, but... Which... He died in his sleep. If in his sleep! If you haven't guessed, the... The, um... The characters are... The actors that were being... Yeah, they were all... They were all large. Pretty heavy set. Yeah. But we'll get into that after. So, like I said, I apologize. That's all I have on him. I hope he does not haunt me from the afterworld oh to be God. like... Oh, my God. He's totally haunting us. Uh, bitch. He's the one who's harassing me when I was in the shower. <laughs> That's because like we problem. did that horrible thing, which we I probably know. shouldn't talk about. No. Should we talk about no. it? No. Okay. <laughs> no, because if he's... He's definitely going to haunt Well, I mean, he already knows. He does. <laughs> I told you, I accidentally sent you that gif afterwards, and it's because... I know! Gonna- and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe we should talk about it. Okay, we should talk about it. It's so Actually, bad. no, because uh, our episodes are never going to be under an hour anymore. No. <laughs> we're already at 50 minutes. Okay. It's the, If we're going to try it, there's no way we're wrapping this up in 10 minutes, so it doesn't fucking matter. Uh, okay, might as well go with it. So, Heather and I were trying to discuss who who is going to take what Well, we wanted this to be really fair. Yes. Well, and neither of us know who Michael O'Donoghue is, so obviously we would... We would both want to have John Candy. Yes. So we, we decided to flip a coin. Yes. Because we're fucking horrible people. Yep. So we flipped a coin <laughs> to get John Candy, and I won. And so now we're haunted. But what was the best part is, oh, because then I said, oh, wow, I didn't even know you could use Google to, like, flip yeah, a coin. Yeah, because I used Google to flip a coin. Which I honestly had no idea you could do you that. You just Google flip a coin, and it'll flip a coin for you. Well, now I know. But what the thing was is that I thought I was being cute and I sent Heather a gift saying It was supposed to be the more you know rainbow. Yes. <laughs> but then But here's the thing, I was also working out at the time, so my internet was oh, yeah, being yeah, yeah. used by my workout app. So the gift didn't load all the way, so it turns out when I send it, it says the more you know, the more you suffer, but it's like suffering. Yeah, like so she sent me this gift that's like <laughs> a, immediately a threat. And I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> We've just cursed ourselves. Michael Donahue came from whatever he's from to just scare us immediately. Fuck. 
Yeah, so if we die from, like, heart attacks or, you know, if I die of a speedball overdose. Because <laughs> that's going to happen. Just know that it's the curse and it, it's unfair. We didn't mean, we didn't just, des- well, I was going to say we didn't deserve it, but maybe we do. Who knows? Anyways, next one. Next one. Chris Farley. Now I wonder, Brian, from what I've heard, you're using your paper not for writing, but for rolling doobies. You're gonna be doing a lot of doobie rolling when you're living in a van down by the river. Young lady, what do you want to do with your life? I want to live in a van down by the river. Well, you'll have plenty of time to live in a van down by the river when you're living in a van down by the river. Who was born February 15, 1964? An Aquarius? An Aquarius. Aww. Ding, ding, ding. We have two Aquariuses down now. We're down two Aquariuses. Two Aquariuses. So he was an Aquarius and... and John Belushi's an Aquarius. Which is weird because he idolized him. I think he was an Aquarius. I want to say he was an Aquarius. Yep. Yep. When was his birthday? His birthday is January 24th. Mm, okay. This is January Aquarius. <clears throat> so, like I had said, Michael O'Donoghue, with his death, there was like kind of the talks about a curse beginning to happen. But keep in mind, he died in 94. So a couple years later, that kind of started to go away. What did? The thoughts of a curse. Well, they got over it? They're like, oh, never mind. I they guess it's like not. Tucked it that away. doesn't work like that. Well, actually, go over it. Do you have the years of their deaths really quick? Yeah. What, what years do we have? Uh, let's see. John Belushi died in 1982. Okay, 82. Sam Kinison died... 92. 82 to 92? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a big gap. John Candy died in 94. 92, 94. Then we have 94 as well for okay. Michael O'Donoghue. That's really close together. That is they really... Should, I, I think guess that's, that's why. probably why they're like, oh shit, we just lost yeah. another one real quick. Because the first two were 10 years apart. Mm-hmm. So I guess... I guess. All right. So then we're going to kind of fast forward to 97, which isn't that much time. Three years. But I guess that's enough for a curse to be done. They should look at it more in the, like, linear sense of, like, as soon as they start thinking about doing this project again, someone dies. Mm -hmm. Every time you try to revive this project, someone kicks the bucket. Mm Mm-hmm. So this time the role was offered to comedian Chris Farley. Mm Mm-hmm. Who, by the way, was a huge John Belushi fan and apparently had parallel lives. But that's crazy. So he knew Belushi had been offered the part before he passed, so he was immediately interested. Mm -hmm. Because, hi, if one of your... Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, one of your idols gets offered a role and then you somehow get offered that same one. Absolutely. You're not even going to... Yeah, you're just going to be like, if it was good enough for him, then for sure, I'm going to take it. And it would be like a way to honor their legacy. Yeah. Totally. So, Chris Farley was known for his loud and energetic comedic styles and was an SNL cast member from 1990 to 1995. Now, I will say this. I'm not not hugely familiar with comedians from the late 80s, early 90s. 
Um, but I do always kind of remember, like, if I've seen clips of him, he was always, like, kind of the crazy one that's, like, running Very around. Very high energy. Very high energy. Great physical comedy. Yes. Thank Great. you. I was trying to figure out a way to say that, and I was like... Yeah. I just remember him like like Fall, running in yeah. down. Yeah. yeah. He was great. There you go. That was the way to say mm-hmm. it. <laughs> so, um, he was a cast member from 1990 to 1995, and after SNL, he had then pursued a film career starring in Coneheads, Tommy Boy, Black Sheep, and Beverly Hills Ninja. This is where it gets a little sad, because Farley had struggled with alcohol and drug abuse issues. This caused him to be suspended repeatedly from SNL. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I never knew that. Poor baby. In his final years, Farley had sought treatment for obesity and drug abuse on 17 occasions. That's a lot. So sad. It's sad. And on December 18th, 1997, Chris Farley was found dead by his younger brother, John. He was only 33. That's the same age as John Belushi. That's so weird. Oh my god. What month did he die? What did you I, well, I don't know what month he died in. I don't know. That would have been like weird though if they also died within the same month. I probably knew the months, but I, I had to cut some shit out, you know? I had to make some cuts. So his autopsy revealed he had died of an overdose of cocaine and morphine. So basically a speedball. Mm hmm. Oh shit. Which was the same way she oh, had man. died. This is the problems with having, like, an idol. You can totally mirror them. Um, that happened with Chester Bennington and, um, oh my god, Chris Cornell. He died, like, almost a year after his death. Like, that was his idol. Who who died first? Chris Cornell? Chris Cornell. Oh, yeah. And then Chester Bennington died, I think, almost, like... I was gonna say, Chris Cornell is definitely older than Chester Bennington. That's really good. They were, like, really good friends, too. Yeah. Because I think that's what it was. I think, like, his death just caused him to, like, spiral out of control kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it happens. happens. Sucks. Anyways, let's go down a really deep rabbit hole of just sad shit. Goody. Because it's only getting worse from here. (laughs) This is a downer. This is bad. (laughs) Yeah, like, I had a full-on meltdown about Sam Kinison because everyone talked about... I only posted one quote about how they talked about he was, like, sweet and cuddly, but everyone talked about him like he was just this teddy bear of a human being that you just wanted to, like, Mm -hmm. hug all the time. He was so sweet and so caring. And, like, a lot of these men were like that, like John Candy, and it's like, all these sweet, cuddly, big, beautiful men died... And I hate it. Mm-hmm. Thanks, I hate it. So remember how I said he was super interested in the film because it had been offered to Belushi and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So he was supposedly about to accept the offer, and that's when he passed. Fuck. So ding, 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 the cursed script strikes again. Mm-hmm. So then, let's bring it to Phil Hartman. Hold it. Is that what you're having for breakfast? Sure. Haven't you heard? Fiber is really good for you. Well, there's fiber, and then there's high fiber. Try this. Mmm. Colon blood. Sounds delicious. But is it really higher in fiber than my oat brand cereal? Take a guess. How many bowls of your oat brand cereal would it take to equal the fiber content of one bowl of colon blow? Two. Guess again. Three. A little higher. Four. Keep trying. Five. No, you'll have to do better than that. 
Seven? Guess again. Eight? We'll give you one more guess. Nine. Not even close. It would take over 30,000 bowls. To eat that much bowl, you'd have to eat 10 bowls a day every day for eight and a half years. Wow! I think I get the picture! Colin Bow must be the highest fiber cereal on the market! Not anymore. Now that there's new Super Colon Blow. Super Colon Blow? It would take over two and a half million bowls of your oat brand cereal to equal the fiber content of one bowl of Super Colon Blow. I'm convinced. Colon Blow and you in the morning. Colon Blow and new Super Colon Blow. Warning, may cause abdominal distension. Consult a physician. Who was good friends with Chris Farley? He was born September 24th, 1948. So he's a... Libra. Libra, okay, cool. Yep, he's on the cusp. Libra Virgo? Yeah. Yeah, he would have to be Libra Virgo. Yeah. Um... So yes, Phil Hartman was good friends with Chris Farley and was going to accept the uh, accept a role as oh no sorry saying that all wrong. Chris Farley was going to accept the lead role and wanted Phil Hartman to be cast alongside of him. That's so nice. So, can you imagine being like, I want my best friend to be in this movie with me? But unfortunately, that then wraps him up into this cursed script, which. He probably just like Chris Farley's probably like oh curse like haha, but what also are you talking about because he it, it was overshadowed it, by the fact that it his wasn't hero unheard had of it. for them to act with their friends no like they were a little almost kind of click kind of yeah. thing also um, it's like hey like share your success with your friends by the way for time's sake I cut this quite a bit but please go in and research Phil Hartman's death because like Andy Dick's involved and what had, yeah it's crazy I like okay what you have yeah at one point he like yeah it's crazy he wasn't involved with it but like how afterwards, is Andy Dick involved in everything ever but it was like afterwards and it was like really weird okay, okay well you're gonna have to tell me at least I will okay <laughs> and like I'm all excited about like people's death. It's not that. It's there just was, crazy. We are never excited about people's deaths. We are excited about weird coincidences. Yes, that's what it is. So Phil Hartman was a Canadian American actor, comedian, and graphic artist. He actually like graduated from school in graphic arts, which I think is oh. kind of cool. Um, I think it was like Cal State Northridge or something like that. So Hartman joined the comedy the. Comedic group? Comedy group? What do you call those? Usually they're called troops. Troops. The Groundlings, which is like a big one. I was telling you about that. Yeah. Yesterday in the car. That is right. Yeah. Yeah. I almost, I, I almost went to the Groundlings and I chickened out. Really? Yeah. Oh. There's an LA Groundlings and I chickened out. Oh. I know, so. I'm so, a chicken. <laughs> so that was in 1975. This is also when he helped comedian Paul Rubin develop his character. Right. Pee Wee Herman, yeah. Because they were all good friends with Cassandra Peterson. That's what I was telling Selena yesterday in the car. And now it's coming back to me. Yeah. I remember I'm somehow. like, anyway, here's some Elvira facts. <laughs> you should know. In Heather's life, things somehow will always relate to, to Elvira. Anyways, Hartman co-wrote the film Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Which I think is cool. I didn't know that, and I'm going to kill myself. 
Bye. <laughs> Hartman then joined the cast of SNL in 1986 and was nicknamed The Glue for his ability to hold the show together and to help out other cast members. I hate, I hate this. Everyone's just so nice. Canceled. <laughs> it's officially that time of the podcast where we cancel it. He even We cancel, I think, once. Every <laughs> single time. It's a thing now. We have to cancel it for some reason every episode, and this is why I'm canceling it this it's time. It's so sad. It's he, devastating. He even won a primetime Emmy for his work on SNL in 89. And he was in one of my favorite Christmas movies growing up, Jingle All the Way, which my mom and I still watch every year. Is that the Arnold Schwarzenegger yep. movie? Yep. Which he co-starred along with Arnold Schwarzenegger and he? Sinbad. Whoa. And apparently him and Sinbad, Sinbad had been in like three other movies together. What? Yeah. Sinbad's in three movies? <laughs> with He's in a lot, apparently. He was in, I guess Sinbad was also in Coneheads. What the fuck and is other happening? Things. I wanted to like, then right? like, yeah, and I was That's like, a rabbit hole. no. Like, wait. Sinbad. But that's why I was like, "What's Sinbad in?" Yeah, <laughs> IMDb Sinbad. This is my life. This, He's in a lot of this movies. This is how I learn everything. I'm like, wait, what? Wait, he was in this movie. Now I have to look at his IMDb. All right, now let me bring it back to the sad part of his death. What the fuck? Else? And why I could have literally kept on yeah. going and did a whole episode. When you got Phil him. Hartman, I was like. Because I know once upon a time... As as fascinating as he is and how much fun it would be to cover it, I'm like, you just signed up for so much work. I remember (laughs) once upon a time, I like literally diluted it as best as I could. Yeah. Probably for the fact that our timestamp is now at... You want to take a guess? I'm going to say an hour and two minutes. You're close. It's 105. We're trying to keep these down to an... uh, We're trying. It's not working. It's not working out. Sorry. So I diluted it as much as I could. Mm -hmm. But I remember once upon a time, I swear it was probably like a true Hollywood story or something. And I remember like watching it. Yeah. But anyways. So on the evening of May 27th, 1998, his wife, Bryn Hartman, was out to dinner with the producer and writer, Christine Zander, who said Bryn was in a good frame of mind when they went out. But when Bryn got home, her and Paul had a heated argument. Phil. Phil, why do I keep doing that? I don't know. Phil had said he was going to leave her if she started to use drugs again. Which? She did. She did. Anyways, fast forward to a couple hours later, and a little bit before 3 a.m., while Hartman was sleeping, Bryn entered their room and shot him with a 38 caliber handgun and fatally shot him once between the eyes... In the throat. Oh my god. And upper chest. I never knew he was asleep at the time. I did not know that. She shot him three times while he was asleep. This bitch was furious. And also, it was right around three o'clock. <gasps> no. Mm-hmm. Oh man, now we're relating back to our last episode. Oh. So, long story short, because I could have taken this so much longer, she calls her friend and admits to the crime, but no one believed her because it's pretty far off. So, eventually, the friend goes with her to the house, and he realizes that she wasn't kidding. She really did kill him, and they called the cops. So, their kids were taken away, and when they went to go get Bryn, she had locked herself in the bedroom and committed suicide. Now, her her toxicology report said that she had been intoxicated and also had cocaine in her system. So, she was drunk and high? Drunk and high. So, she was not in a good frame of mind, like her friend had said. Mm-hmm. So that takes us to that very sad moment. That's so sad. 
It is. And that also wraps up all of our six actors slash writers and mm-hmm. how this is also cursed. Yeah. So, continue. So, I researched curses. Well, I didn't Google curse. because. Oh, good God. We still have that? Oh, this is going to be long. It's not. The, it's no, not in a bad way. Is. I'm just saying, I don't know why we can't keep things down anymore. Because we won't shut the fuck up. That's about true. Douche. And VHS players. <laughs> stupid bullshit. Okay. So, curses are as old as time itself. And book curses are as old as the written language. In medieval times... Why did I put this particular portion in a weird italic font? Okay, whatever. I can't get inside my own head. In medieval times, if you wanted your book kept safe from thieves, you would employ a curse to protect it. It was usually written somewhere inside, often the first or last page, warning any who had ideas about stealing it. Isn't that like the Sanderson sisters, their book? Yes, exactly. I didn't think about that. And look what happened. Look what fucking happened. Someone lit the motherfucking black flame candle. In one such curse I read, there is a line cursing anyone who writes their name in place of my name. Which could possibly mean someone taking credit for your work. Mm-hmm. Also, most of these curses wished painful deaths on another person. Well, well, book that. curses protected a physical object. A document curse protected the words inside it. Mm. So, like a book curse is like anyone who takes this book, blah blah blah. But a document curse curses like the content. It's like um, copywriting kind yes, of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's how you copyrighted stuff in medieval times. Yes, exactly right. (laughs) If such words were changed or moved around, surely that would unleash the curse. We know for a fact Sam Kinison changed things in the script. Mm -hmm. But don't most, if not all, actors make small changes here and there to a script to make it fit themselves better? Well, also, if you've ever watched anyone talk, any comedian talk about being an actor in a film, they almost always add ad libs. Right. All the time. Um, maybe They're never going to stick to the script. They probably looked at the script and they were like, mm, I could cross this out mm-hmm. and say this word instead because it's, it fits me better. Yeah, they try to f- make it fit their exactly. style of comedy. Which, be authentic. So, there's that. Also, Mordecai Reekler. <laughs> He's the author of the original novel, The Incomparable Attuck. He was a Jewish-Canadian writer. Um... He was also an Oscar-nominated screenwriter, adapting his own best-selling novel, The Apprenticeship of Duddy Kravitz. Mordecai was the grandson of a rabbi, and in my research, I found there are powerful, terrifying Jewish curses that are believed to be activated by reciting them. Timing and astrological influences also can be tied in to give it an extra bang. There are curses in the Torah itself that when read aloud, rabbis will speak them quickly and in a whisper, not wanting to actually curse anyone in attendance. Apparently, cursing in the Jewish faith, or at least some strains of it, are still used today, and even a candidate in the 1994 Israeli elections publicly cursed another in a televised event. Oh. So. That's kind of scary. What if this guy put some kind of ancient Jewish curse? Do you think he was ups- upset because he didn't do this? I think he that didn't could, do that. Exactly. Actual. They didn't hire him to do the screenplay. 
But then wouldn't that affect this, the actual writer of the screenplay? Wouldn't you be upset at him first? Because he took it. Side note, mm. the actual author of the book and then the, the, the screenplay writer for the film adaptation, neither of them died in any crazy deaths. They lived to, I think, like their 70s or something like that. They lived like normal lives. It's hmm. only the actors. And, sorry, I'm sure you have more to go over. I don't. That's it. So, I didn't do research into this, but here are my two cents. Notice how every actor they wanted to play was a f- larger white guy. Are you going to say fat? I was. That's me. I know. That's <laughs> I, I know, but that. you going... Is really fucking funny. So, let's use our imagination and let's quickly think of what does a native Inuit probably look like? Skin color. Tan? Not white, right? Not white. Oh, I see where you're going with this. You think there could be some kind of... Inuit curse. Yes, I wish I would have had more time to look into it because Chris was actually the one that brought it up. He goes, what if, because, you know, usually, how do I say this without sounding ignorant? But you know how more so native cultures usually have their own sort of like rituals and. Yeah, like uh, customs. And customs. So what if. Religions. And yeah. Traditions. And so what if they were upset about who they were casting like could be because none of them were they were all white guys yeah it is bad like as much as as much as this movie script is super cute and it would be a great movie okay they should have used but hold on inuit actor thank you because then keep in mind it's a white person we get to the part where they put dark john belushi wasn't white he was albanian oh that is true is that white Albanian is... Do we know? They are kind of white, actually. They are, I think. Never mind. <laughs> Although I think... What is... I that? think they're probably, like, they can be white or also darker. Where is there? Albania. Um, it's on the southeastern Europe's Balkan Peninsula. It's a small country with... Oh, what? I don't know. <laughs> what? It's a small country with... Adriatic. Okay. Whatever that is. But it looks like it's almost kind of by, like, Russia. Oh, okay. Never mind. Or maybe not. Okay, so it's European. It's not. That's not. Because then I just get into things I can't say. They're not. They're not dark. No. No. Oh, because see, here's, like, Serbia... Yeah, no. Greece is down here. Well, well Greek, Greek people can be pretty dark. Yeah. But see... But they're usually not. Because it's, like, down here. Like, here's Romania. Here's Bulgaria. Okay. Croatia. It's a weird... They're white. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> Never mind. Back to our... Hold on. <laughs> Where was it? Um, Somewhere they make him darker, right? Yes. Okay. They basically put him in, like, Inuit blackface, (laughs) which is bad. (laughs) 
Which at least the movie recognizes it's bad. Like, it's the villain who, like, does that. Yeah, but I feel like that would have been real bad. It is real bad. And I know, technically, it was the early 80s and 90s when stuff like that kind of still happened. But because they had the villain doing it, they know it's wrong. really bad. Yeah. So... It's all bad. It's way too bad for, like, a comedy. Like, you can't... It's not... They're basically making a joke out of it, and it's not funny. But Don't do maybe, that. But maybe... What do they look like? Inuits? Yeah. They look Native Americans. They do. So, yeah, they're not... Interesting. They're not white. They're not. No. I was just saying. Some of them can be light, but, like, so can any... That's true. So, anyways. Do you think it's cursed? You know, Ricky had this idea, and I forgot to bring this up when he was here, which... Sorry. Um, Ricky doesn't exist because we just threw away the whole We episode. did. I, I deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky does... I deleted Ricky. They're going to be like, who is this Ricky? Yeah, guy? what are you talking about? It's clearly my invisible friend, and I'm very sad and lonely person. Um, he thought we could use, like, this scale. And he's like, you can say, on a scale of one to five something... How haunted is it? Remember my scale last week? I said Casper being a one, and yeah. I don't remember what my scary... It's something like that. So I thought maybe we could do, like, one to five ghost emojis. Yeah. How many worked. ghost emojis? Yeah. Because our logo kind of looks like a ghost emoji. Yeah. So, like, out of... So one through five ghost emojis, how many ghost emojis would you give this? I'm going to give this, like, a one. One ghost emoji? <gasps> no. Because This thing's be- cursed AF! I don't think it's cursed. I think what happened... I feel like this is opposite, because I always go with, like, (laughs) it's not cursed, it's bullshit. You know why I don't think it is? Because I think, given the context of who the the comedians were and the timing of it, drug issues, not that all of them died of drug issues, but I feel like that had a factor in it. A huge factor. Um... I think with, you know, we had the Michael O'Donoghue with the cerebral hemorrhage, which that's just a medical thing. I don't think there's anything weird with that. Um, Phil Hartman, that was weird, but also drugs will do crazy things to you and apparently make you kill your husband and then kill yourself. I will say, if there is anything freaky about this case... It's Chris Farley's death related. You think Chris Farley and John Belushi's deaths are the same? Okay, but what about Sam Kinison, who was hit by a car? That is true. I don't necessarily think the script had anything to do with it. I just think there's really weird coinkydinks happening. That is a weird case, though. But also, it's especially weird because he was into drugs and alcohol yeah. and stuff. So for him to die... Also that fucks up your brain. A lot. I know, but he was hit by a drunk driver. That is true. It, it wasn't his fault at all. No, 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 no. But I'm just saying, like, we could explain him talking to somebody just because his... First of all, mm-hmm. he had brain trauma. Yeah. As a kid. He did, yes. He suffered from seizures due to epilepsy. Mm-hmm. And then to factor in drugs and alcohol on top of all that 
It's not good. I suppose. How many emojis do you give it? 4.5. Oh. 4.5 ghost emojis. Interesting. Extra fucking haunted. Oh. Super haunted. This is the first case that I'm calling completely haunted. I will tell you this. Neither of us, and I don't suggest you do this either. Don't read it. You can, technically, yeah. read the script. As long as you don't touch it or make any changes. <laughs> Neither of us decided to read yeah, it. Yeah, we didn't read it. And actually, United Artists, who still holds it, is, like, not doing anything with it. It's, like, kept up, mm-hmm. like... Yeah, they claim that it's not haunted and this is all bullshit and it's nothing, but they also won't touch it or, like, let so anyone not? have it. If it's because not cursed. they know it's cursed. Mm-hmm. There goes that. Yeah. So, Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that wraps up this one. Now we're moving on. We have to do the weekly obsession, but I just realized I have no idea. I have not an obsession this week. I don't know what it is. Um, Should we take a minute? Yeah. Okay, what's your obsession? So, spoiler alert, we're talking to you in the future, Mm -hmm. but not... Really, the future? Not not a lot in the future. We're a week. Just a week. But um, ahead. yesterday, like we had mentioned, Heather and I went to Midsummer Screen and had, well, I had loads of fun. I had never been to anything like that, and I didn't know what to expect. Side note, I also had a mild panic attack early in the morning because, if you're not aware, some crazy shit happened on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And, unfortunately, it makes you kind of second-guess stuff and going out in big public areas needless to say i'm happy i did not completely freak out and i'm proud of myself for still going because i had lots of fun i do feel bad though because i made us kind of late and i made heather miss out on a lot of things but i still had fun and i got to see christine mcconnell who it's not even fair like, you think someone's pretty, and then you, like, see them in real life, and you're like, shit, you're, like, ten times prettier? Like, that's not fair. And she's just so cute. Like, she's super dainty and just cute, but then, like, a total badass, because she's like, oh, I do this, 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 and this. And I'm like, oh, okay. She works really hard. She does. So I had loads of fun, and I was actually really happy, because I was going to shop a lot, and I actually restrained myself quite a bit. Yeah, it's, it's hard, because you want to buy everything there. Anytime I saw anything creature related, I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. I want it. It's hard. It's funny though because I have always been scared of. It's weird. I have a complex feeling about horror and Halloween related stuff. Because I actually love Halloween, it's one of my favorite holidays. But as I've always described it, I like the pure one version of Halloween where everything is brightly colored and covered in glitter. Mm-hmm. That's my aesthetic. So it's funny as I'm getting older and apparently the people I surround myself with, they all love horror in general. So I feel like I'm starting to get into it. So I feel like yesterday was a good segue. Yeah, I think you can definitely get any kind of horror aesthetic that you're into. Mm-hmm. Like, it'll be there. Mm-hmm. If you're just into, like, the pretty cute dainty aspects of it like you're good also if you like really gross gore so shit i was looking at the cutesy earrings meanwhile my boyfriend was looking at the scary mask that he wants to buy for halloween so there's both ends of the spectrum Mm -hmm. 
And Heather and I were scared shitless and didn't go in the dark, scary areas. Yeah. Well, we did. Because Chris made us. But also because I felt bad. Because... So, yeah, I feel like there's no I don't spectrums. like... Okay, so my thing is I don't like jump scares. Like, everything's fine. Everything horror-related is totally fine, except But that even goes into scares. the movies you like. You don't like movies that are jump scares. No. No jump yeah. scares of any kind. Yeah. They just... They, it's not like a fun, like... <gasps> you know, like, some mm-hmm. people, like, get scared at first, and then they laugh, or, yeah. like, they think it's really funny. I'll legit go into a panic attack. Like, yeah. I hate jump scares. There's nothing fun... You know, I don't get any kind of adrenaline rush from it. It's also a really cheap scare. Mm-hmm. So if you're like a horror snob like I am, mm-hmm. it's like how I feel about puns. It's cheap comedy. It's cheap horror. I mean, who doesn't love a pun, but whatever. Me. Me. If you haven't noticed, Heather takes her horror genre very seriously. Yes. And we'll once again plug. And comedy. Apparently. Oh. Let's once again plug Cinematic Onyx Mortis, my horror movie podcast, which is monthly, so you, you don't have to keep up with it like you do this one. Yes, it's monthly between her and her best friend, Kenny. Yeah, yes. It's his birthday today. But Although, technically, when this it comes, is in the future. So. When this comes out, it will not be his birthday. So happy belated birthday. Happy birthday, Kenny. And also... Not that you'll listen to this because you don't give one fuck about true crime. But... But... <laughs> I will be on one of their episodes. Yes. So we are doing a crossover the episode. For that. Um, They're making me watch a scary movie, which you just said. You just said you were dipping your toe. I know. Now you have to and put you your money where your mouth is. Did you? What was the booth that we walked by? Miss? No, was it the Mystic? What was the booth that had props like movie? Not movie, but like mini sets. They had like a Freddy thing. They had um, the red rum door. Maybe I wasn't with you. You were. It was right what after was you I got. Doing? It was right after you got a drink. So maybe you were into your drink at the time. But they even had I'm like, like mm, drink. I, I think it was drink. like Mystic Museum or something like that. And they even had like a Sabrina setup. But what? as I yeah, but as I was walking past the the Shining door with like the the I like did not yeah see this uh-huh. what the. But as Are I was, you sure I was there? Yeah. 100% positive. I'm telling you, you had just gotten a drink. What the fuck mm-hmm. was I doing? But as we were walking by the shining door, Staring I was like, lovingly should I do that? Drink? Should I? But you guys already requested a certain movie, so. Well, Kenny. Because we're keeping I, a theme. So, I said the shining. Mm-hmm. And he's like, mm, I guess. I'm like, well, okay, like. Is there something you want to do more? And he's like, well, I really wanted to do a crossover. Yeah, no, I that totally understand. To him. No, so I totally like, understand. All right, I'll see what I can do. I didn't want to watch Amityville. And he's like, it's literally Have you so watched bad. it yet? I have not. Okay. And he's like, he's like, this is the first time we're going to do a shitty movie. <laughs> oh. He just thinks it's trash. Oh. Like, well, I think he like. He appreciates like, it. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like that garbage that you kind of like. Yeah. Which is good because I don't like if something's really that terrifying, mm-hmm. like I'll definitely watch an older version of a movie rather than a newer yeah, one. Yeah, they're way. I mean, it's a case by just because you can kind of laugh off the horrible, like as, the yeah, special effects and be effects like, "Oh my god, it's like so cheesy!" Bad. So it's like not scary. Nothing's gonna scare you that bad. Like when okay, so I need to stop talking. This is just gonna be the longest episode Doesn't ever. <laughs> Called two hours later. It's it's an hour and twenty seven minutes. It's not that bad. But like I said, like I was gonna say, last year when I was brave enough to watch it, 
I was like, you know what? Before I go watch this, let me watch the miniseries then. The TV movie, whatever you want to call it. And that was the first time you saw it? It was the first time I saw it. Okay. So at my ripe age of 20, I think I was 25 or 20, 25 at the time. Going to be 26. Uh, watching it for the first time, like, because when was that one made? 1990? So a 90s made for TV mini, because right? It was a made for TV. Yeah, made for TV miniseries. So now watching that in 2018, you kind of realize how cheesy it was. Listen, if you see that when you're a child, it will destroy you. I 100% understand that. But now watching it, I was like, oh, okay, like, it's not bad. But then when I immediately, the day after, went to go watch the new one, I was scared shitless because I don't like that stuff. And because, I haven't seen the new one. Oh, it's good. Kenny told me not to spend money on it. Oh. It's on, I send Kenny to watch everything for me. and then It's it, on HBO, I want to say. And then he tells me if I can watch it or not. It. I watched it, and then there was one scene that scared me. And I, I have, like... Oh, it matters. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> So, I guess if you didn't get get that, our obsession was going to Midsummer Scream, mm-hmm. and we went on the longest tangent. What else is fucking new? So, I think we have some upcoming exciting things, hopefully. Oh, yeah, we do. Like I said, I will be a guest host. Yeah. Guest host? Guest host, yeah. On their podcast. Are you excited? I am. Ooh, I pulled a Heather. You're... Oh, because you're clicking <laughs> the pen. You are a, a guest. Yeah. You're like a celebrity. Yeah. Your first, your first you guest know what? spot on another I, podcast. I would like it if Kenny would do that with our podcast, but I understand he thinks all this is. It's will, not his. It's not his gig. I will ask him. You should. He might just give us like a very like. I will ask him. I mean, he's very prof- he's very professional. Yeah, Kenny's very professional. So he would probably be like. We'd be on a tangent and he'd be like, I know. What's happening? Ricky actually did really good last year. Ricky's week. amazing. He did really good. Not that Kenny's not. They're just very different people. Yeah. Ricky is really funny and really quick and really witty. And like Kenny is really dry. So he's got like this slow burn comedy where you're just like, did he just make a joke or, or insult me? Like you, you don't even know. But I think he would be a really good addition. So we'll Kenny, probably if you wait. actually listen to us. Yeah, Kenny, prove it. Prove it. If you listen to this podcast, answer this question. (laughs) Will you be on? Will you be on this podcast? You can pick the case if that makes you feel better. Oh, am I saying too much? No, no, no. 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 He just probably... It just has to be true crime related and have a haunting slash unexplainable slash... Yeah. Kenny, if you're listening to this, pick your own case and then we'll put you on. But yeah, I think we have exciting things. I think this is going in a really good direction. I think we also might possibly have another person lined up, as Heather was telling me yesterday. Maybe. I really hope I have that... Some, we have some guest ideas. I really hope that person comes on. Well, me too. So, person, if you're listening, please come see us right. and hang out with us for the day. Just come... We're really... I promise you'll feel like you're hanging out with friends. Yeah. Internet friends Super in real life. Super low-key environment. We're very nice people. Yeah, I actually, I like the idea of us having guest hosts. Guest is? Guest is? Guest? Guest hosts? Guests. We just have to, we have to like <coughs> make them 
spread apart because otherwise we're going to have a guest like every week. I know. And we can't. I just like people. Since when? I mean, to an extent. I like to be around people sometimes. It's my Libra trait. Okay. <laughs> you feel that way today. Next I week know. you're going to be like, I never want to see another person. I don't. Get him Ooh. Okay. I think. I oh, think, we're done? I think we're about done. Okay, we're done. Oh, but also, um, if you have cases for us, please send them our way. Yeah, I feel this, like... this one was a recommendation. Oh, it was? Yes, even though I've, I've known about this case. And, Who and recommended it? This was Rick from Toys R Us. Oh, well, he, thank you, Rick. He recommended Cause, Okay, also, side note, because we haven't done it yet. Have we, Have we like, talked about the fact that he's making now our graphics for every episode? No. Thank you, Rick. We're shit. Very much. <laughs> I know, I'm all... Oh. We're terrible. Yeah, he's um he's been absolutely great to us. He's been so supportive and, you know, gives us shout-outs on Twitter and makes our graphics for us. Which, we are going to be a guest on their podcast yeah. eventually. We are. So, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Yes. Everyone, go listen go to Go listen them. to Toys Were Us, because it's... Uh, an amazing podcast. What, what, what are they distributed on? Are they also oh, iTunes, yeah, they're Spotify? Everywhere you can find everyone you, Okay, And it's so informative, so funny. Uh, you will learn so much. It's It sounds like it's just about toys, but it is not. I but promise. who doesn't it's, love a good nostalgia It's millennial factor. nostalgia. Yeah, like who doesn't really love is. that? They talk about TV shows, music. I they mean, even have commercial segments in there oh, that are like commercial segues that we saw on Nickelodeon and oh, stuff when we were kids. If you want to like, that's cute. Get a flashback of your childhood. If you're a millennial, go listen to this podcast. If there's anything millennials are, it's we're into. Like, we're very nostalgic. Uh, we missed the '90s so bad. Okay, it was so sad yesterday. Heather and I like literally locked eyes on like a Sailor Moon booth, and we're, and all, we're like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> we got some Sailor Moon patches. We're gonna put on some shit because we're stoked. So yeah, go yeah. listen. And I already forgot it. All right, I'm gonna do it. Uh, so that's it for us. This I was week. doing good. <laughs> it's okay. You kind of lead the the front of it. I so try to get us to like. I feel like you're you've got a good handle on the the intro. So the I, look the outro, I got a handle. It's fine. We will see you next Thursday. But if you miss us in the meantime, remember we're always with you in spirit, and we love you to death, 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 death.